Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joe Jacob. What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Without further delay, let's meet today's correspondents. First, we got Anthony. Seven more to go, y'all. We got George. What's up, guys? And last but not least, Kevin. Big dubs. All right. So to begin the episode, we need to talk about this series opening win for the Heat as Miami takes game one against the Celtics, winning by 11. Leading the way for Miami, you got Jimmy Butler with 41 points, nine rebounds, five assists, four steals, and three blocks. Tyler Hero with 18 points, eight rebounds, and three assists. Gabe Vincent with 17 points, three triples, three assists, and three blocks. Max Bruce with 11 points, three triples of his own, along with four rebounds and two steals. And last but not least, Bam Adebayo with 10 points, four rebounds, and four blocks. Stats aside, what's everyone's reaction to watching the Heat take care of business in this first game of the series? Start us off, Anthony. Well, last night was a roller coaster, and I hate roller coasters. So what I did is I learned from experience, and I try to stay calm. You know, even when the Heat were down up to 13 in the first half, even when it was eight at halftime, I try to stay calm because I remember the 2020 playoff series against Boston, also in the Eastern Conference Finals. And man, that was a roller coaster. We went from being astonished in game one with the damn block to being depressed, to having utter joy, to having, you know, pure rage. It was full of ups and downs. And that's what the NBA playoffs are. That's what we hoped for. That's what we signed up for. And that's what you get when you have two highly, highly competitive teams. So even when they were down yesterday and all of Twitter was freaking out, I was calm. And sure enough, they went on that monster run to start the third quarter. And even it goes both ways. Everybody was over there celebrating. But I was still remaining calm. Obviously, there's a long way to go. Boston cut it all the way to seven. And then you got huge, huge shots from Jimmy, Gabe, and Strews. And those are the kind of relief buckets you need that can't let the other team go on runs. Because, of course, that was a big problem Miami had this year was going on these very long scoring droughts and letting these other teams get back into it. So they did a very good job yesterday of getting these very timely buckets so Boston couldn't come back. And same way in the first half, they had these timely buckets, especially from Tyler Hero. Nice to see him step up. That kind of kept the game in the 8-13 to range instead of 17-20 to range. So obviously we saw the same great performance on both sides of the ball like we've been seeing this playoffs. So it was nice that we were able to see it against, you know, a better team for once. Right. And George, what's on your mind? Yeah, I think I've watched the replay about uh, 15 times. I've watched highlights from different, you know, different angles, everything like that. It was just an absolute joy to, um, to you know, to sit there and watch this game. It was probably the most free-flowing, you know, like defensive, on the defensive end, most free-flowing game I think I've seen in a long, long time. So, you know, the fact that they were allowed to play defense, they were allowed to, you know, really control the game on that side of the floor was um was just a big plus. But, it, you know, you can't really look past Jimmy, who played 41 minutes, got 41 points, and put in an absolute shift on defense as well. So, look, you can't really say much about this game because it, it was the Jimmy Butler show. It wasn't even the Miami Heat. It was the Jimmy Butler show. Um, 
he is the star that we've all needed, that we all wanted. You know, that whenever Miami gets put up in a conversation to, to possibly win a, you know, the chip this year, they always go back to the point that, you know, the Heat don't really actually have a defined star, defined star, blah, 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 blah. You know, they're too busy watching, you know, the, the Tuesday night games in, you know, against Orlando and watching him play there and then judging the fact that he's not a star. But he's been by far the best player in these playoffs and it's not, it's not close. So to watch him play at the level he's playing and to just have that freedom against the best defensive team, you know, tied the best defensive team in the NBA, um, it, it's, it really is just, you know, great to watch that we can still get our offense going. Uh, Celtics have been, you know, really, really, really strong since the post, uh, post the all-star break. So to watch them really come out and, you know, and handle this team was, was, was fantastic. It got scary at some points. I'm not going to lie. Got scary to see us go down at halftime. I was, I was quite a, you know, quite shocked to see that we were just, you know, kind of coasting down nine, down 10. And, um, but that third quarter, that third quarter really just, you know, blew, it just blew the door open. Absolutely destroyed them. So, you know, if we can keep this up for, you know, three more games after this, we're off to the finals, baby. I agree. And Kevin, how about you? Yeah, I had a feeling this game was pretty much going to play out exactly how it did. You know, a lot of people were saying that, you know, because the Celtics just went through a slugfest in that seven-game series versus Milwaukee, that they were going to come out kind of tired. And I think over time in this series, they're going to tire out. That's why I have us winning this series. But I had a feeling because they – like, if we're being honest, they've been more battle-tested in the playoffs than us, and that's just because of the Milwaukee series. But, like, Atlanta and Philly, they're not near the level of competition as Boston and Milwaukee are. And so they had to wake up, and we had some sloppy plays early in the game, um, a few turnovers, a few just being careless with the ball, um, and they made us pay. And they were hitting some tough, tough shots. Like, Peyton Pritchard had some big-time shots. Um, Tatum had a couple of big-time shots. Jalen Brown, too. And I knew it wasn't going to last um, – Eventually that cools off, but especially when Tatum hit that like flip shot from the free throw line over Jimmy, I knew like, okay, they're going to cool off in that in the second half. And that's exactly what happened. You know, they rely a lot on jump shots and our defense was electric, especially in that second half with, you know, Bam being just super active. He had that big time block on Jalen Brown. Jimmy, I think, set the tone with them back-to-back steals. You know what I'm saying? Those back-to-back steals, I think, literally just capped off the run in the best way possible. And even I think just P.J. Tucker coming back, you know, giving that energy, you know, spoke kind of mentioned it like just his presence on the court makes everybody else better. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's just super powerful to have. And so it was a complete team effort. I also can't forget about what Gabe Vincent in the third quarter as well, because he was big time, not only with those threes, um, but definitely with he had uh, multiple plays where he got some big time steals. So that was huge for him. But great team effort way to just. You know, Spo, I don't even know what Spo be saying when it comes to halftime speeches, but he says something that clearly resonates with the team and only gets like it. It's crazy what he does because the halftime adjustments that they did um, were significant. And that's pretty much what changed the game, in my opinion. I'm glad we got the win. And Jimmy Butler, I don't know how many times we got to keep saying it, but he's been that dude. You can make a case he's been the best part in the playoffs this season so far in this postseason. And shoot, another 40 piece on his resume. Exactly. And, you know, that's why I love having you on the pod, Kevin, because you specifically make sure to point it out that Jimmy's been him, which is the same propaganda that I've been trying to push, because the amount of slander he still gets to this day is insane. And then, like, George, I know you got something you want to add. I just want to revisit something as well. We really, you know, we had to make an emphasis about guarding the paint. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was, you know, the basis of, of, of uh, Spo's uh, 
halftime press conference, you know, not press conference, sorry, um, uh, team meeting. But he, they must have, he must have sparked something because as soon as you come out of halftime, we absolutely controlled the game for, you know, from, you know, for that entire quarter. We, we held Tatum 0 of 2, Grant 0 of 1, Brown 0 of 4. We just, we really, you know, locked in and, and, and gave them hell. We, we had to because, like, like, you know, like the guys were saying, we were really stressing out because they were making some of the most ridiculous shots. Uh, uh, the one that comes to mind really is the uh, Peyton Pritchard three, where he's about three, four steps back of um, of Tatum, passes it off and just drills that big three. And it kills you. It really does. It really does kill you inside. But it, to, to see the resilience of this team to really come after it and, and you know, and, and attack attack the rim and then also get your shots to fall as well from, you know, getting production from you guys, um, you know, like Hero and but Vincent. Vincent has been something else for us since uh, Lowry got injured and, you know, hopefully he comes back soon because Kyle Lowry, is just, he adds another dimension to the team when he is healthy. But while he's gone, we're still undefeated well, when, you know, when Gabe starts for us. So he's been incredible. And to watch him, you know, just to watch him work with Jimmy as well in that, in that third quarter was nothing short of spectacular as well. So if they can keep that, you know, keep the game going and keep, you know, the, the ball moving and, and, and play great defense, you know, really set the tone out from the front, this team should have no problem. Right. And, you know, it was almost looking scary for the Heat, but I think what, what kind of caused the slow start for Miami was the fact that, you know, they had so much rest. So maybe you see the rust coming in. There's also the fact that, you know, the, you guys heard the news about Al Horford and Marcus Smart. It kind of came in like just what, like a little about two hours before the game started. So it wasn't really enough time to really make too much adjustments for those major changes. Like you got to think about that. And then also the fact that, like you said, Kevin, earlier, like the, like the Celtics have been battle tested playing teams like the Nets and Bucks, you know, and obviously teams like those aren't like teams like Atlanta and Philly. So for the Heat to go against a team that's nowhere near like who they've played so far, I think that kind of gave Miami that wake up call, you know, seeing the way out that first half went. And hopefully that's going to let them know who they're facing with. And we're going to continue to see amazing basketball as we get ready for the remainder of this series. So, you know, overall, it was just such a great game to see, especially when you consider the fact that you guys have brought up that run the Heat went on. Like the Heat went on a 22 to 2 run to start that third quarter off. And that was insane to think about. And, you know, when I'm thinking about that third quarter specifically and something I'm going to bring up later on, you know, we got to acknowledge the fact that Jimmy Butler. He literally outscored the Celtics in that third quarter. You know, while the Celtics only scored 14 points, Jimmy had a whole 17. Like, it's unreal. And it's a great thing I brought up Jimmy because we have to talk about his masterpiece of a game. Because, you know, in this series, there was a lot of commotion regarding the alpha matchup between Jimmy and Jason Tatum. And for his first game, you know, Jimmy showed up and continued to show the world why he's called Jimmy Buckets when he had that great game on both ends of the floor. And especially, as I said earlier, you know, in that third quarter, especially. So, like, with all of this being acknowledged, like, what what's on everyone's mind after watching the newest episode of the Jimmy Buckets show? Give us your thoughts, Kevin. Man, um... 
again, Jimmy's that dude, but really, like, Jimmy's one of the few superstars in the league that can literally impact the game at every single level, from offense to getting buckets to playmaking um, to rebounding on both ends of the floor. Defensively, he's always playing the passing lanes. You know, he's always locking up on the ball. He always is in help side ready, you know, to pick to make the ball handler pick up the dribble. Like, he's just so active. You know what I'm saying? That block that he had on Tatum was, was big time because you rarely ever see Jason Tatum get his shot blocked. And he's just everywhere, like literally impacting the game in every single faucet. You know what I'm saying? And it just – it rubs off on everybody. And when you're playing with a dude like that, it makes you automatically, you know, raise your level of play. You know, I feel like, you know, shout out to Brady Hawk. He, he tweeted it like every time Jimmy gets going, Max Struess gets going with him. And it's a reason for that. They have that chemistry um, together. And really, that's, that's how it is for, you know, majority of the team. And so Jimmy, man, he's just timely. Like everything he does is super timely. Like he came out – I think he had, like, 14 points in the first half. Like, he was doing whatever, you know, and then everybody was saying, like, he got to pick it up, he got to pick it up. And as soon as that second half came, that's exactly what he did. And it, and it started with defense, and he always says that. Like, he always says, like, we got to worry about our defense first, and then we'll figure out the offense later. And, and having your defense, you know, be the main contributor to your offense makes life easier for the rest of your team. And Jimmy's just been great at that. And he had some big-time buckets that bucket over Tatum with the shot clock winding down. You know, on the right corner was big time. You know, the one where he did that little – um, kind of like step back move after he hit the little spin on Tatum too was big time too. So he just closed it out, man. That's what that's what you expect your star players to do. He carried us home in a game that we really had to win, in my opinion, to kind of set the tone for this series. And again, he's just been he's he's having an all-time great playoff run, especially you know, from a heat player. Um, this is one of the better playoff runs we've seen in recent Miami Heat history, definitely, and probably you know, of all time Miami Heat history, the way that he's going. I agree. And George, how about you? I'm getting really strong um, 2006 vibes from, uh, you know, from from Jimmy in the way that Wade was able to conduct himself in those finals. Because let's let's all be completely 100 honest here. Bam, besides the defensive end of the floor, where he's been incredible, offensively he's been really, really, really lackluster, really lacking as well. Um, obviously, this, this is a, a better team than that was than that team, in my opinion. But um, he, Jimmy's just taking over. He really, he really is. And when when people talk about you know, people talk about winning a championship and saying you need to have that star, you need to have that star, and every single, every team has had that star, and that's why we didn't win, you know, apparently in 2020. But Jimmy has turned out to be just one of the most incredible, you know, moves in Heat history. Probably the best free agency pickup besides LeBron and, um, and Bosch, uh, of course. But Jimmy has this sort of knack to, to really take a backseat when he needs to to let the game come to him. And when you get that feel from the game, when you, when you really, you know, you see yourself, um, you know, taking the game on, when you watch him play, you just say, oh, he's doing this so effortlessly. He's, he's hitting down his mid-range. He looks comfortable. Um, he loves getting into the paint, loves getting physical, loves playing great aggressive defense. So, you know, this, this um, refereeing has just really been helping him as well. You know, I'm not saying that they're, we're feed, they're, they're feeding him calls or anything like that. I'm saying more the fact that when you get allowed to get physical, he he shines as a player. He really does. So does you know PJ and so does Bam. You saw that last night when Bam was playing an amazing, had an amazing defensive game. But Jimmy knows exactly what he needs to do every single game, and that's exactly what you need from a guy. You need some some sort some form of consistency um, from a team that's been you know pretty consistent in my opinion, except for the lot probably the last two weeks stretch of the season. But he's been really that that bright spot for us 
you know, the, the go-to guy, and he's really solidified himself as one of the one of, if not, you know, the best player in these playoffs. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Anthony? Listen, man, Jimmy Butler, Hemi Butler, Jim VP, the Jim Reaper, whatever you want to call him, man, we can't state enough how great he's been. And I know we've all been talking about it, but it seriously can't be said enough because it's amazing how quickly he cemented himself as arguably a top three player in all of franchise history. And I remember when we traded for him. I remember when we almost traded for him and he went to Philadelphia. I was literally sitting in the library. I was supposed to be studying for a test, but I could not stop refreshing Twitter. And eventually I got the heartbreak. He was traded to Philly. And then for the next seven months, we saw how that played out. And then the dream was awakened. And then I was actually playing basketball when we finally did get him. And I was super happy. So I wasn't one of those people, you know, that didn't want Jimmy because there were certainly some of them. Uh, But that being said, you know, I didn't think he'd be up there one day with Dwayne and Braun, Mourning and Hardaway. I never thought he'd be up there. And, and you can argue he's already surpassed some of those guys because he's already won more than the guys in the 90s did. So it just can't be stated enough how incredible he is. And even like Kevin said, from a two-way aspect, there's not a single player, you know, left in the playoffs and very little in the league. You can count on one hand who does what he does uh, on two sides of the ball. So the fact that he continually gets disrespected um, is, is terrible. But again, not surprising because his, his game is not sexy. He's a hustler. He's blue collar, puts his head down, earns his free throws. And, and he has one of my utmost uh, respect and easily one of my favorite players of, he, of all time. And it's not surprising how quickly Heat Nation has taken to him. I agree. And I know you got something you want to add, Kevin. Yeah. Um, after last night, I was noticing that a lot of people were kind of complaining about you know, Jimmy getting to the free throw line, um, saying it was kind of like he's just a free throw merchant. Like, if you actually watch, like, unlike those two dudes in Philadelphia, he actually gets fouled because he actually goes up, you know, with the intention of scoring the ball. And he's actually super physical because, like, when you're guarding him, it's almost like he's hitting you. Like, you look at his first buck of the game last night, you know, against Robert Williams, he literally pretty much just ran right through Robert Williams. And, like, as soon as you get hit as a human being, like, your natural instinct is to hit somebody back. And that's exactly what happens. And he's good at getting opponents in the air. And if you bought on this pump fake, he's going to make you pay every single time. So him getting to the free throw line, I promise you, you go look. Yeah, sometimes he does, you know, get a favorable whistle. That's because he's a superstar and he gets that and he's earned that, like LeBron James and a couple other guys. You know, Tatum will get there eventually. But more often times than not, he's actually getting fouled and rightly, you know, rightfully deserves to get to the free throw line. So I just had to say that too. Yeah, I agree. And I don't like that there's some people that compares it to those two guys from Philly because it's just shameless the way how they flop. And you have the one big guy who likes to fall around and fell like, what, 12 or 13 times during that game six against Miami last round. Like, in it all, and one of those falls literally led to one of their own players getting a torn ACL. So the fact that people honestly want to compare Jimmy to guys like them is insane, especially because he actually earns those fouls. You know, he's like you said, Kevin, like he's not afraid to get physical and stuff. So, you know, it's just pathetic. But at the end of the day, you're going to see these type of excuses from these people, because at the end of the day, the podcast is named Heat versus the world. You know, if you're not a Heat fan, you know, you're just probably going to hate on the team or you're probably just not going to give us the flowers we deserve. And that's fine. You know, but ultimately it is what it is. So 
you know, overall, Jimmy Butler had a great game. And now moving forward, it's time to talk about something that's honestly been talked about in almost every playoff episode we've had so far. And that's none other than the stifling defense for the Heat. Everything that we've seen from this team is the fact that they were able to bring the toughness that's needed, you know, heading into this conference finals matchup. Because you, the reason why a lot of people went against Miami was because they didn't know, you know, if the Heat had what it took to go against a team like Boston that already been through so much and going against teams like Brooklyn and Milwaukee. But Miami came in and they put up a heck of a fight. You know, like, although, you know, Boston went in and they gave a heck of a punch to the Heat, Miami came back in and they clapped back and they went on that scoring rampage, you know, in that second half. And not only that, but the defense was so stifling because they ended up tying a franchise record for the most blocks in a playoff game with 12. And it should also be noted that the Heat ended up having more blocked shots than three-pointers made as Miami made 10 triples to close the game. And, you know, bringing all of this up, like what pleased you guys the most when watching the Heat play this type of defense? Uh, we'll start off with you, uh, George. Yeah, like, like I said, I've, I've, I've said a couple of times as well, uh, just the, the free-flowing, you know, um, defensive player this game really suited the, the Heat and, and we really took full advantage of it as well. But if we're going to look at someone in particular, I want, to, I want to look at Jimmy because, you know, when you've got two stars on the floor, they can get a bucket any time with Tatum and Brown or that other team. When Jimmy Butler was was guarding both of them, he allowed one, one field goal to be made when he was guarding them, one. This is the entire game we're talking about. One single field goal made between the two players when Jimmy was guarding him. The problem was, in the first half, while we were playing so so pathetically as well, we were giving up so many points at the paint. Yeah, Robert Williams looks like, you know, one of the best young and up-and-coming big men in the NBA. He gives us so many problems in the paint. And that was our biggest problem at the start of the game was, was really allowing so many easy buckets. But we were able to make those in-game adjustments, which is really, you know, a really, really big and important factor for us. And the fact that Spolsch was able to make those adjustments and to relay that to the team really shows that we're up up and ready for the challenge whenever we get it. But I see when, especially when players like uh, Jason Tatum and Brown are really starting to get it going, that if Jimmy can go and, and you know, switch and, and actually have the backup coverage of, of a player like Bam to come and give him that help and PJ as well, it's just such an important factor for us to be able to move and, and, and get to those, you know, to those open shooters as well, because they're going to get buckets. We know that we know that they're going to get, get their points and hoard their points. And, and even players like Peyton, Peyton Pritchard, were getting it going as well. So being able to stop them at the right times and to go in our runs as well, was just, it just shows that, you know, we're up for the challenge and we're going to get this, you know, get the dub any means necessary. I agree. And you, Anthony? Well, like you said, Joel, uh, we've been talking about this defense constantly throughout every uh, episode so far and well-deserved. But the reason why, for me, this one felt even more so, so much better than the, you know, the rest of the series is because coming into the series, people were not only looking as, at Boston as you know, the best defensive team in the league. They're looking at Boston, for some reason, as one of the greatest defensive teams of all time. Because you know, before Robert Williams got hurt, they were saying he could have been DPOY. And then out of nowhere, they had a campaign for Marcus Smart and then he won it. So the fact that we were able to turn that around on them and leave them absolutely shook, because obviously they had a great defensive first half, but he had a bunch of turnovers. But Miami was never shook. You know, they were always remained calm. 
But what Miami did to them in the second half, they they didn't know what to do. I mean, I had never seen that many back-to-back-to-back steals and blocks in my entire life. It was very exciting as a Heat fan. And for me, the guy, obviously the whole team great, but the guy that I kind of want to key on is Gabe Vincent. The way that he can single-handedly control a game without ever scoring the ball, especially for a guy that is just coming off a two-way contract, it's amazing. And I forgot who it was on Twitter uh, who said this, but they said he had a couple of Battier blocks last night, which I thought was kind of funny because what he was referring to is kind of stripping the big man as they go up, just like Shane Battier used to do because just, you know, he can't necessarily get up high enough to block the ball. So he strips them before they go up. Something that used to happen to Hassan Whiteside a lot. It was very annoying, even though I still like him. But Gabe Vincent had, a, had several of those yesterday. Robert Williams was killing us in the first half. And I don't, I can't recall, you know, any lobs or easy dunks that he had in the second half because somehow Gabe Vincent was able to rotate all the way from the perimeter. And it seemed like he was always wherever the heat needed him to be. So it was really incredible. And because of that speed and quickness and hustle and tenacity, to me, he was the major reason they were really able to turn that game around, um, as well as P.J. Tucker being able to come back, like Kevin said earlier. And, of course, Jimmy Butler and, and Bam Adebayo just continuing to prove that he actually is the best defensive player in the NBA. But just the way Gabe Vincent was able to cover ground was super, super impressive to me, and I felt like he really controlled the whole game. Ray, how about you, Kevin? Yeah, man, look, I mean, at the end of the day, you can talk about the rotations, the individual defenders, and even the activity, but it all really just comes down to effort and the willingness to compete. Like, these dudes want to win. And I'm not even saying that the Celtics don't want to win. Obviously, I'm pretty sure their their goal is the same as the Heat's, and that's trying to win an NBA championship. But what the Heat do, like, as a team on defense, is really special. Like, Anthony mentioned, like, the media's been talking about the Celtics. Like, they got the greatest defense we've seen in the 21st century. And I understand it. Like, they've had a great turnaround. Don't get it twisted. But the Heat have been doing this all season long, from the first month of the season all the way up until this point. And it's been special. You know what I'm saying? You guys mentioned the Gabe Vincent steals were crazy. You know, Max Struess had a big-time play. I think probably that was probably the biggest play of the game where Max Struess was just in the perfect um, help side position. And he just took Jason Tatum's cookies and just dunked it and had a big-time dunk and screamed (laughs) while he was going up and dunking it. So, like, it's just little things like that, man, that really make you enjoy playing basketball. And it makes life easier for you. Because, again, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, like, when you're getting – steals and live ball turnovers you're able to get easier points especially because sometimes we have these offensive droughts in the half court it's good for us to get these live ball turnovers and try and get the easiest points that we can get man and so just the activity in itself has been amazing you're seeing strides from Gabe Vincent and Max Struess and even Tyler Hero has some good defensive moments in, in last night's game too so it's been beautiful to watch um obviously it all starts with you know Jimmy PJ and Bam uh, specifically because all three of those guys do their job at a high level on the defensive end, but it's special. You know what I'm saying? And again, we, we have to keep talking about this defense because it's not getting the proper love that it deserves. And it's been playing at a high level all season long. And it's been just as good as any team's top defense in the NBA. So it's been fun to watch and I've enjoyed every single second of it. And the heat, honestly, we just have a lot of dogs on that end. And that's really what it comes down to. We have a lot of dudes that really like to play defense. They enjoy clamping up, the, the, you know, the other team's best players. And that's that's all where it starts and ends for me. Exactly. You know, it's just amazing how great the Heat's defense has been. And the fact that no one wants to talk about it to this day. Like, you know, you look at, you know, the sports shows. Now, I, I saw a couple things on YouTube. You still have people talking about, oh, you know, 
you know, the Celtics, you know, they lost, but they didn't have, um, you know, what is it, Marcus Smart. They didn't have um, Al Horford, you know. And while people were able to focus on the fact that Jimmy had a great game, those 41 points, I don't think people truly acknowledged how great our defense was. Because, come on, like, Jalen Brown, like, he was struggling in this game, you know. It was crazy to think about. Like, this was a guy that was expected to come up big for Boston, you know, aside from Jason Tatum, and he was struggling. Like, it, it seemed like he was struggling all game. The reason why it's, it's easy for some people to forget is because come that fourth quarter with a few minutes left, he started getting hot and started making a couple threes, which is why the game is starting to get close. But overall, like, he struggled. And it was crazy what Miami was doing to him. And Jason Tatum, as we know, he went insane in that first half. But come that second half, Miami was ready for the guy. You know, like, they snapped out of it. And they were ready to do their thing. And not only that, but then you have the fact that we had what we saw with Robert Williams because he was looking like prime Shaq in that first half as well. You know, and then, like, as you said, uh, Anthony, you had Gabe Vincent playing great defense on him, basically hitting him with those A blocks where he's just stripping him of the ball and stuff. You know, the Heat just came out in that second half and knew how to play great defense again. Something that, like you said, Kevin, is something that they've been doing this whole year. And it's funny how some people just want to forget that. And yet they still don't want to acknowledge it, even after watching a good game featuring that Miami Heat hard-nosed type of defense. But overall, it is what it is, you know. Overall, I want to now move this to a next topic, and that's none other than the Miami Heat stat of the game. So we have to make the stat about the one specific player that went insane last night, and that's none other than Jimmy Butler, because just in case you forgot what his stat line was, he had 41 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists four steals, three blocks during game one. And he is the first player in NBA playoffs history to reach those numbers since steals and blocks were first recorded in 1974. With all that being said, like, what do you guys make of the stat? You're up first, Anthony. Well, when you consider that he did it against the Boston Celtics, who were able to, you know, shut down Kevin Durant, Giannis struggled in several games against them. So that makes it all the more impressive. But Really, Jimmy Butler is the definition of a max player. A lot of guys get paid max money, and a lot of guys are very good, and you have to pay them max money or else some bad team will. But if you want to talk about the definition of a max player, that's Jimmy Butler. Not because of the numbers that he's putting up, but because of when he's doing it. He consistently, year after year, except for last year because of the extenuating circumstances, he is so much better in the postseason than he is in the regular season. And to me, that's the definition of a max player. Not some guy who could put up 60-point uh, triple-doubles in the regular season and constantly flames out year after year when the games matter most, i.e. James Harden, okay? So I think I saw he, he averaged 21 in the regular season this year, and he's nearly up to 30 points per game in the playoffs if you round up. More rebounds, same amount of assists. So when you're getting that jump in production, th there's no other way to put it than saying this is a guy who can be the best player on a championship team and you saw that with the numbers, the, the historic numbers that he put up last night against the supposedly historic defense. Right. And, you know, another thing is the three-point shooting, too, because 
I mean, everyone was going after him crazy for it, you know, and I think I, a lot of people here was a little bit worried, you know, with him constantly shooting the three because he was bricking it during the regular season. But come playoff time, he was just able to fix his shot. And although he didn't make any three during last night's game, which honestly makes his stats even more impressive to have 41 points without making a single triple. Like, and that's just fascinating to think about as well. But, you know, Jimmy was able to get his three-point shooting up and everything. Like, he just knows when it's the right time to pop off. And that's what we've been seeing in this playoff run so far. And um, let's see, Kevin, you? Yeah, man, again, like, this dude is just the ultimate competitor, the ultimate warrior. And like, like you mentioned, I was just about to bring that up. Like, him not making any threes he attempted to didn't make any. It's still special because, like, how many stars, quote-unquote, in the league could drop 40 points without hitting a single three. Like, it's not too many. It's probably like Giannis, LeBron, and, and a couple others, if that, you know what I'm saying? And that's just special. That's hard to do nowadays. That's an old-school, you know, all-star NBA player. You know what I'm saying? And so for him to just do that is special. And I can't even forget, like, his rebounding. He had nine total rebounds, too. Like, he had a rebound again. Gave Vincent missed the three. He gets the offensive putback over Rob Will to, to take the lead in the game, like, Everything he does impacts winning. And I don't think people really understand that. Like, again, and when he says that he doesn't really care about his stats, I think we should really take him seriously because he just plays to win. He's hustling his butt off. You see at the end of the game, he was fatigued. And I do not blame him at all because he literally left it all out on the court. And that's what you want from your best players. And they set the tone. And, you know, you look back when we played the, the Celtics in 2020, like he had a big time game one, too. He hit the three to give us the lead with a couple minutes left in the game. And then ultimately he hit the and one in overtime to, you know, seal the deal over Jason Tatum to win that game. So like, he's just a winning player, man. Like you cannot emphasize that enough. Um, and it's contagious and everybody else, when you see that, like you want to be better. You know, I remember when Max Drew said like when he dropped 40 in the, in the um, Philly series and we lost that game, Max Drew said like he, he felt disappointed to watch, you know, his dude go off for 40 and he felt like he didn't help him at, at all. And the rest of the teammates didn't really help him. And like, that's the type of mindset you want from your team and from your leader um, to come out like that and just put an emphasis on game one. That's what you need. That's a statement. You know what I'm saying? And honestly, like, I don't think Jimmy has to go off for 40, like every other game or every couple games to, for us to win this series. I really think like he can do a whole bunch of different things that does not require him to drop 40 points. And that's the special thing about Jimmy Butler and also why he's very underrated and underappreciated because he does not have to score to impact the game at a high level. You know, the steals, to me, were the most important thing and impactful thing in last night's game because they came at the most opportune time and he made the most out of them. And each one of them turned into easy buckets on the other end and just fueled the heat on their home court, man. So, again, that was an all-time performance. It was great to watch. And hopefully, you know, again, he keeps it up, but it doesn't have to be him, you know, dropping 40. He can do it in plenty of other ways. And it showed in this in this stat sheet, in this stat line. So, shout out to Jimmy Buckets, man. He's big time and he's been like that. Amen. And you, George? Yeah, look, there's not much more I can really say about his performance. He's, he's probably one of, if not, you know, so he's one of the greatest two-way players we've ever seen in the league. And in today's NBA, he's, he's, he's either one or two. So he, he just has this, his, this knack of just saying, he's been saying it all season, says it his entire career. He's a playoff player. He's, he's not a regular season guy. He, doesn't, he couldn't give a damn about MVP awards and stuff like that. It'd be nice if he got one, but it, you know, with the way he plays in regular season, it's not it's not that easy. But he he just 
comes to the playoffs and, and, and turns into his own player. Look, barring last season, which he's obviously dealing with, you know, that 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 knee and ankle, um, it was really bothering him. But to have this bounce back, an average basically basically 30 a game, 30 a game when this team needs a star more than most because, you know, we, we have you know, injury, we have our injuries problems, we have, you know, rotation that we're still apparently working out because we had to cut, you know, cut Duncan from the, you know, from the... Um, for the rotation after he had that that amazing game in uh against the Hawks, but so when you've got all these all these factors that change twenty you know all the time, but to have that one con, you know consistent performer is so important. So that that's that's that line. When I see it, it's it doesn't shock me in any way. It really doesn't because I'm like this is what he's capable of. He's proven it time and time and time and time and time again. So. You know, big props to him, and you just know he's going to keep performing every single night. He's going to get if the defense changes, he's going to find a way to get his other teammates involved, and 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 you know, get the result that we're looking for. And you know, if he can't, the next game you bet you you bet he's going to try ten times harder. So we always talked about LeBron having that you know that other gear in the playoffs as well. This this you know, this is the same type of dude. It really is to have that extra gear to kick into whenever he wants is so special and you rarely see it. Exactly. And you just can't wait to see what else Jimmy's going to do, especially in this series, you know, when the light is going to keep shining brighter at him, you know, people are going to keep wondering, you know, can he get the job done? And, you know, that's just one win and we still got three more to get. So I can't wait to see what Jimmy's just going to do to make sure that we get those three wins. So, you know, we've talked so much about Jimmy. We talked so much about this win and we talked so much about so many things, the defense and everything, that now it's time to look ahead and it's time to talk about game two for the Heat. Um, you know, there's so much to look towards, especially because I do feel like this is going to be an important game for the Heat. And I will go into more detail about that later on. But before I do that, like, what's everyone's expectations for Miami as they try to get their second win of the series? Kick us off, Kevin. <sighs> yeah, um... I think the biggest thing is, first of all, just coming out and setting the tone again. I mean, like how they did in the third quarter, of course, not how they start off the original game, game one, but how they start off that third quarter. Um, the Celtics are going to come out, you know, firing on every cylinder, you know what I'm saying? Um, and we got to be ready for that. And, you know, sometimes, like, again, I know it's probably frustrating for a lot of people watching game one and Tatum hit some big-time shots and just all the tough shots that they were hitting. But sometimes you got to live with that because that doesn't always translate into the second half, just like it showed in this game one. So, I expect us to just keep locking up. Um, I would like to see, you know, a few other guys, you know, get involved offensively. I'd like to see P.A. Tucker hit a couple threes. You know, Max Schultz, I think, was like three of eight. Hopefully he can get like one more. will be perfect for him um, just to get his confidence going to Boston. Um, and, yeah, I just I just like to see us um, knock down some threes, honestly. I think that's a, a big-time thing because getting ready to go on the road, you know, for games three and four, you're going to have to have that three-point shooting. And, obviously, it's much more easier to hit threes you know, on your home court than on the road. But just getting some confidence and trying to get better each game is the biggest thing for this team right now. Um, and, again, you got to be ready because Boston, they're not trying to go back to their place down 0-2, I promise you. And they've been, you know, in this predicament before. So we got to be ready to take their biggest counterpunch because best believe that's going to happen. And Ime is going to have, you know, Yudoka, that is, he's going to have his adjustments. Spoh's going to adjust on the fly like he's been doing, you know, for his entire career. And I expect, you know, nothing less. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I've I seen that Al Horford is, is doubtful um, or he's probably not going to play. I think I think um, Marcus Smart is questionable. 
Um, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but Marcus Smart to me, he's kind of like Tobias Harris in the sense that I want him shooting as much as possible. And honestly, like I want him making shots in the first half because the more confidence he gets shooting, the more he takes away from the shot selection of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And that's a good thing for the Heat because every time they don't end a possession, the Celtics that is with one of the Jalen's taking a shot or Jason or the Jay, shall I say, taking a shot, that's a good thing for the Heat. That's a major plus for the Heat. And honestly, like a partial reason to why we won in 2020 was because of Marcus Smart's bad shot selection. So I'm really excited for that. And I'm hoping that um, he gets some confidence and that'll be a great thing for the Heat. But all in all, I expect us to get the job done. I think this is probably a must-win game, in my opinion, just because it'd be much better to be, you know, 2-0 headed to Boston than, you know, tie one apiece because it's hard to win on the road. But if we can go and grab this game and then grab one in Boston, we're in great position. Obviously, that's up 3-1. So, you know, that's a great thing. But this is a big game. I think you got to hold down home court. And we haven't lost on our home for all season, so I expect that to continue in this game. Exactly. And that kind of ties into what I'm about to say later on. So great points from you. And let's see, uh, George, how what's on your mind? Yeah, just just, just uh, following up with that uh, injury report, the um, the the Heat have uh, obviously Carl Lowry's ruled out with that um, the hamstring injury. But Max Struess and Gabe Vincent are also both listed as questionable with hamstring injuries. So we are turning into the hamstring society. We can't buy one. We can't keep them healthy. I don't know what the hell is going on in Miami, but these, you know, these hamstring injuries are getting out of control. Uh, so, and you also heard, you already heard that uh, Horford is um, is doubtful, but Marcus Plant is uh, probable. But look, this this is going to sound repetitive, but yeah, 100% it's a must-win game because they, their main objective, every team's main objective when, when they don't have home court is to steal that one game. So, you know, the pressure's on them. Really, it is. They're going to come out trying, they're going to they're gonna put, it all on the line for this game, a hundred percent. So we just need to be ready because, look, they're, they're they're an accomplished team. They're a good team. They just need, you know, they need that, you know, one or two good shots to fall their way before they fall in the rhythm. But the Heat have more than enough to get this, you know, get this result. We saw it today. You know, they won three quarters, and um, and and we still came up on top. So. It's just about getting, you know, getting to our, our rhythm, playing our brand of basketball and keeping that going. But uh, I, I want to revisit a point we said before as well. People complain about, uh, I see on Twitter, uh, complaining about free throws and the way that, you know, the, the game's being officiated and how Jimmy had all these free throws. People forget that the Boston Celtics literally set a record last night for, t- for the most time in the bonus in the second half, in half of basketball. 20 out of 24 minutes for the Boston Celtics were spent in the bonus. So there's no, there's, there's none of this, you know, complaining about free throws when your team is literally in the bonus for that amount of time. So, but going back, you know, getting back on track as well, if Jimmy is obviously going to get targeted, that's the poor point. I think Mark Smart will be back and you're going to see a lot of double, a lot of switches on him as well. It's, it's definitely time, you know, if, we can get Struess and Vincent out there. Those are two massive players, massive, massive players to, to, you know, to start to get going because Gabe's looked like a whole different person and what guy that we're looking to pay. We have to look to pay a lot of money in the off season to keep him as well. He's earned that right. He's earned that contract as well, but you know, it's, it's really time for him to put in that, you know, that, that, that shift where it's going to push him to be like that eight to $9 million range, seven, you know, seven to 9 million or that, 
15 to 20 million dollar range so you know it's time for him to get the bag it's time for him to prove that he's that guy you know he can he can be that starting point guard on the team and he, he you know if he can earn that right but Struess as well getting him involved getting bam getting tyler involved these are all important factors that are going to be in this game you know they, they saw what jimmy did jimmy's still going to get what he's going to get he's still going to you know try his heart out and and, and you know, get those get those buckets that we think that are impossible, and the defense thinks that you know they've done a great job defending. He's still going to get the buckets. So, look, I'm looking forward to it. You know, hopefully our you know our fans can keep you know keep it going. We can hit that bet, we can hit bet bus again, and we can you know walk out of that arena happy. I agree, and you know, to quickly go back on what you said about the fouls and stuff. What's interesting about the game was the fact that. You know, Miami only shot two more free throws than the Celtics, and the Heat were called for more fouls than the Celtics. I think, like, the Heat were called for 24 fouls, and the Celtics were called for 23, if I'm mistaken. So, you know, that's what I heard. So the idea that the Heat was being favored by the refs is kind of absurd when you look at those type of numbers. And it's honestly just pathetic excuses at this point. But let's see, Anthony, what's your expectations for this upcoming game? Well, if there's one thing that that 2020 series taught me, it's to expect the unexpected. Now, I certainly expect the Heat to win game two, which is what's making it a little concerning uh, because the playoffs are never easy. It's never supposed to be easy. And I think the Heat are undefeated under Eric Spolstra when they're up 2-0. Or or not undefeated, but the record is, is very, very high. Uh, but obviously, and I want to bring up too, that was a great point by uh, George about the free throws and the earliest in the, the bonus. Cause I saw, I, when, I remember when Boston got into the bonus with like nine minutes to go, I was thinking to myself, like I had never seen a team get into the bonus that early. So that was actually a really interesting fact that it, it almost seems that, you know, the refs wanted to make the game a little more closer. Uh, but I'm not really into that conspiracy stuff. Uh, but yeah, the Heat have been undefeated at home. They're like 23 and five with Struess as a starter, undefeated with Gabe Vincent in the playoffs as a starter. Um, so because of all those things, yeah, I expect them to win, but the playoffs aren't supposed to be easy. So um, it's going to be tough. Uh, unfortunately, I am in the car right now, so I got no sound effects, no funny sound effects. But also, you know, I- I'm scared, man. I- I'm scared, man, just because last night was a little too easy, uh, at least in the second half. So uh, it's going to be tough, but nah, screw it. He went by 20. Right. And I know you got something you want to add, George. I don't know if you guys can hear that. That's actually Marcus Smart's fraudulent defensive player of the year because the real one should be in Bam's hands. Um, I just wanted to hook you up with that little sound effect because you're in the car. I feel bad for you, man. But um, no, nah, this is it. I just wanted to put a point out there with the prediction sort of stuff. Last time we made a prediction about the Miami Heat uh, versus the Boston Celtics, <laughs> they uh they blew us out and they destroyed us. That was earlier on in the season. So that's why we do not make predictions. Uh, don't take any of them seriously. Or the basketball gods will uh, will smile us down. So that both go heat and let's hope we can pull out another victory. All right. So, you know, for me personally, when I look at this game, this is definitely going to be very competitive, probably more than this last game. Um, but for me personally, I know this might seem crazy to say since this is only the second game of the series, 
But I personally look at this game, too, as a very important game for Miami for the reasons that you guys brought up. You know, the reason why is because there's rewards for the Heat if they win. And then there's the obvious consequences for Miami if they lose. Because if the Heat lose this, you know, the series gets tied 1-1, meaning that the Celtics will have the chance to take a 3-1 lead with the next two games being in Boston. And then if the Heat win game two, that puts Miami in a great situation because a lot of people like to say that the Celtics have been battle-tested throughout this playoff run. And although this is true, like, don't get me wrong, you know, one situation they have not been placed yet is where they've been in a two-game deficit. You know, they swept Brooklyn in the first round, so they didn't have to worry about any deficit in that series. And they only trailed by one game at most when they played Boston in the second round. With that being said, Miami would have the opportunity to do that, putting the Celtics in a tough situation where they would have to win four of the next five games to advance to the finals. And I can't imagine a world where the Heat would ever allow something like that to happen. So this is a major game for the Celtics if they want to continue their chances of going for that championship run. So... Also, with all that being said, I think a lot of people who have the Celtics winning this series, they probably see them winning at least one of the first two games in Miami. So if the Heat can just protect home court and win game two, I think that would already cause some opinions to change regarding who's going to win the series overall. So with that all being said, game two is going to be a must-see game for Heat fans everywhere, and I can't wait to see what happens. So, you know, we talked so much about, you know, everything that went on in this last game, and we talked so much about, you know, what's going to happen for game two. You know, we addressed so much in today's episode, and before we close it out, just make sure to check out our Twitter and Instagram page at HVTW Podcast. Well, checking out our website at HVTWpodcast.wordpress.com. That way you still have access to 24-7 Miami Heat content, even when we're not recording a new episode. Also, we hope you guys enjoyed the new episode today because we'll be recording a new pod after every playoff win for the Heat, meaning that if God is willing, we'll have at least seven more episodes to record before we officially close out season two of heat versus the world anyways thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the heat versus the world podcast and we'll see you guys soon with another episode hit my music because we out thank you for listening and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the heat versus the world podcast